whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Hey there, friends. Karen Pennington here. And once again, um, I just have a confession that I am not so much of a sportsman. I'm not very athletic. <laughs> uh, there are a couple things physically that I can do. I can do, I mean, you know, Pilates or uh, a few other things where I can kind of move. I'm a little bit limber. Um, but when it comes to what you would call the traditional sports, I'm, I'm just no good. <laughs> I once took a volleyball class in college because I thought it was the easiest class I could take to get actually the walking club there there was a walking class I couldn't get into that I'm very good at walking uh but I took a volleyball class because I thought okay well that's the next easiest thing to fulfill my physical education requirement to graduate from college and um long story short I broke my glasses I think I may have been the only student in history to get worse at volleyball than better and I had a very brief career in football that spanned about one game. This is American football. I wasn't horrible at what the rest of the world calls football, at soccer. Now I would be. I'd fall right over the ball. But um, so uh, we were at, at like a summer camp when I was a teenager, maybe 14, 15, 14, I think. And we decided one night our activity would be to play football. American football. And so I'm like, well, okay, I can do this. I'm tough. I know how to tackle people. And this is great. And so we're running around and I'm over inside and I'm free and someone throws me the football. Well, I made the mistake of catching the football. And it evidently in the game of American football, it's not enough just to catch it. You actually have to go somewhere with it. So, um, yeah, it took about, I don't know, 10 seconds for me to be under a pile of what seemed like 117 people. It might have been like six. I mean, just immediately. I'm just holding it, looking. Now, if I would have done anything with the ball, we probably would have gotten a touchdown or something. We would have gotten whatever you call it. Something better. Something good would have happened if I would have gone the right way with the ball. I mean, just holding on to it. Like, <laughs> the, name of the name of the game is football. And so, by definition, football is very important to vic football. Having the football and going the right direction with the football is what leads to victory. But if you don't know what you're doing, that same football could mean a couple of days of bruises. It, that same football could mean injury. That football had the power to bring victory or pain. Little inanimate object, that football... Well, needless to say, I avoided that thing like it was a plague for the rest of that game and quite frankly, the rest of my life. Almost 30 years later, <laughs> I'll buy someone a football, I'll hand it to them, but I'm not touching it on the field because I don't know the football, I don't know where to go with it, 
And for me, it means I'm going to get tackled. It might interest you. It does interest me to know that sort of in the same way, it can be, you know, like God. We, the Bible says we should fear God. Um, not in the sense that we would think. Um, because we, we, we think about God if we know him as our Lord and Savior. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he's the comforter. He's the provider. He's, you know, strong like a father, nurturing like a mother. He's, he disciplines us, but he just wants our good. And he never gives us as much as we deserve because he took that on for us. And we know all of that. Um, but then sometimes we forget his power because he is powerful. Why would he be worth worshiping and surrendering to if he couldn't carry out the things he needed to carry out? And how would he do that if he didn't have the power, you know? So sometimes we forget and like to fear means to stand in reference, to understand, to respect, almost the way we would uh, fear fire. Now, I also have been absolutely terrified of fire in my life. My husband thinks it's hysterical because he grew up an outdoorsman and, um, you know, we would burn old papers on the fire and um, I'd, I'd be so afraid if I saw even a little flicker come up and um, I, I'm not that afraid. I'm, I, I can stand in front of fire now. I, I respect it now. I know how to use it well. And um, we get very good meals from it because we cook outdoors a lot. We get heat from it. We get warmth from it. I actually find it very peaceful. Um, but in a sense, I fear fire. Not in the sense that I think it's going to hurt me, but in the sense that I respect the power that it has. And I'm mindful to use it properly so that it'll be something that benefits me. I certainly can't hold it in my hand and I will never try. So it's kind of like that with God, um, the way you feel about fire, hopefully, or the way you might feel about something like the Grand Canyon where we respect it. We're in awe of it. We receive benefits from it. We're blessed by it, but we're not going to step over that cliff into the Canyon and we're certainly not going to try to fill it up or hold it in our hands. Well, there's a few stories about people that, didn't do that with God and um, make no mistake about it. God's the victor. God is strong. God is not somebody to be messed with. Uh, the Ten Commandments warns, put God first. That'll be good. When you don't, there's going to be issues. Don't bow down to other idols. Don't make idols. Don't make something and bow down to it and call it God. That's not God. That's a thing. In the case of the Old Testament, it might be a melted earring that we fashioned as something. God's not a cow. That is not a cow to bow down to. Um, but then in the third verse, it actually even says, or the third, this is uh, Acts 27, actually says, don't even misuse God's name. Don't, don't even. And we think about that as in like, um, well, sometimes we don't think about it. I know so many Christians who will say, oh my, and then use the Lord's name because they're excited about something or because they're frustrated about something. And it's like trying to hold fire in your hand. It's, this is a Lord. Don't say it if you don't mean it. I used to tell my teens when I worked with youth, they would say the name and I'd say, finish it. And they'd say, what? well, you must be praying to God. So I'd make them pray. If you're not talking to him or about him, use his name. Um, and we forget about that. And then some of us, we try not to be vulgar, but anybody we see will say, God bless you. Well, do you mean it? 
someone angers you, you don't really want, what you're really saying is, if you're saying God bless you and you, in your heart are going, get this person away from me, God. Are we really using God's name right? It's, I mean, it's, it's scary and it's, it's not really something that we should be terrified about any more than we should be terrified about a campfire. Um, but it's something we should be mindful of and respectful of because that name is power. And when power is used improperly, it can hurt people. I want to think about the book of Samuel again. Um, I'm, Friday I talked about Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And then yesterday I talked about the call of Samuel and hearing God's voice. And today I just want to go a little bit um, to the left, just to, to where where Israel was. We know that... Um, this is these were the days before there were kings in Israel. There, it was coming. These were the days after Israel had been slaves in Egypt for so long, and they had to wander through the desert for forty years, and then through the excellent leadership of Joshua, they came into this promised land, and they had this inheritance that they did really nothing to earn. And so, in le- in less than a hundred years, they went from completely conquered slaves to completely conquering victors. But there was a thing God said. You gotta worship me. You gotta worship me. And they kept going other places. They kept doing other things. And then they were just like, "Well, God, God will help us." But then God would leave, and no, never mind. You don't want me. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And they would fall into the hands of human beings because they weren't as strong as the other human beings. God was stronger, but when God left them, they weren't as strong. And it just happened over and over and over and over again. And they kept like just doing whatever they wanted, and then saying, "We're God, so God will bless us." And then read the book of Judges you'll find just ridiculousness of what they would do and then say God is with us even though they were doing the exact opposite of what God wanted. So at this point, they were kept falling in the hands of people called the Philistines. Um, There were five major kingdoms, five major city, state kingdoms, and the Philistines just kept going after them and after them and after them. And in the meantime, Eli, who was the head priest, he wasn't so bad as a priest, but he was a horrible father. And he was bad as a priest in the sense that he was not controlling his sons who were doing absolutely horrible things. They were sleeping with the people that the women who came to um, serve at the temple, they were misusing sacrifices to an absolutely horrendous extent. Um, they weren't supposed to take the fat off the sacrifices, but they would physically force people to give them the sacrifices so they could take the fat. They were bullying people into doing the opposite of what God wanted when they were supposed to be helping them to do what God did want. Excuse me. Um. And Eli was literally getting fat off of it. He was, it, it says this, you can just read First Samuel, it says this, that he got heavy because he was eating this fatty portion knowing that it was wrong. Um, so they, they weren't really in a good place. And they went against the Philistines and the Philistines kicked their butt. They had 4,000 people fell. This is First uh, Samuel 5. And then it said... Um, in the wrong place. So they returned to camp and they said, First uh, Samuel 4, 3, Let us bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. Now the Ark of the Covenant had the Ten Commandments in it. It had the bread of the presence in it. It had Aaron's staff in it. Aaron was that first, Moses' brother, that first priest. And it not only symbolized the Lord's presence, it contained the Lord's presence. It didn't really contain him. Like it wasn't all of God's presence. It was just God's presence did dwell within that ark. And so 
where they saw that arc, they saw blessing. Only with God, it was kind of like me with a football. They weren't going anywhere with it. They just, in fact, they were going the, you hold a football and you run down the wrong way of the field. Not only does that not bring victory, that actually leads to defeat. It's the opposite. You're, you're doing the opposite of helping. And it's like they were holding the covenant. They were holding this Ark of the Covenant and they were going the wrong way. So what happened was the Philistines, they were afraid at first. They said, gods have come into the camp. They said, we're in trouble. Nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us? Uh, verse 9, be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews what they have been to you. Be men and fight. And so the Philistines had more reverence for God's presence than the Israelites did. The Philistines had more fear, not even knowing, thinking that it was God's. And so they won. And they were, def and the Israelites were defeated. And then they took the ark. They, they took this. And, um, yeah, so the very, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, the people who were supposed to be priests of the Lord, but were doing all these horrible things, they died that day. They tried to take hold of this ark that they said would save them, even though they were doing everything against what those Ten Commandments said. And it killed them. And it news of it led their heavy father, Eli, to die. And so the very thing that they thought would bring victory brought defeat because they were holding it the wrong way. They weren't going the right direction with the football, you know what I mean? And so then the Philistines made a bad choice. At first they feared the ark, then they conquered it, or they thought they did. They tried to capture it. They tried to hold the fire of God in their hand, and this is what happens. They put it in a few different cities. This is uh, chapter 5. They carry the ark into Dagon's temple, that was their god, and set it besides Dagon. So, per, so spe specifically they were saying, okay, this thing has power. Let's take the power. Let's hold, let's contain God. Let's contain these gods, and then they will work for us because we have them. Now we have them with us. How many people know out there, you cannot contain God? It does not end well when you try to conquer God because you cannot overpower the source of all power. So um, when the people of Ashdod rose early the next morning, there was Dagon falling on his face in the ground before the Ark of the Lord. <laughs> so they went to conquer it for their god Dagon to be part of whatever their gods were. And their main god had his face down on the ground to this other. <laughs> and they literally made the idol bow to the presence of the Lord. And so they took Dagon, put him back in his place. And the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold. So the first time he bowed, the second time it broke him. This inanimate object. So... They went, okay, that's enough. So the Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod. And he had tumors. They had tumors. They just kept getting tumors. So they thought this thing would bless them. They were trying to control this thing, and this thing cursed them. And I, I know people feel like God only brings blessings, but there are times when God brings curses upon people who are opposing him and against him. And that's holy. We don't like that in this culture. We don't want anything that makes us... We, we want to call it hate speech when we tell someone what you're doing is wrong, it's hurting you. Um, or there's going to be consequences to your actions. But that's just the plain role of humanity. That's the backside of grace. 
God's hand of grace is God's hand of discipline. Discipline is not a bad thing. Because if there are no consequences, people would always do whatever. If God didn't give us some consequences, sometimes we would fall in the hands of each other's consequences, which are so much less controlled and crazy, you know? So eventually, Ashdod got sick of having this presence of the Lord, sent it on to Gath, which was one of the other, you know, city kingdoms. Same thing happened there. Total, total outbreak of tumors. Now, like, all right, we're done with that. And. And then they sent it to another city, Ekron. <laughs> and as soon as the ark was entering Ekron, at this point, the people went, they cried out, Oh no, they've brought the ark of God to Israel around us to kill us and our people. <laughs> and then it did that to them. So by, it was almost kind of like me with the football. Like once I caught it once, I'm like, I'm not catching this thing again. I'm going to run away from it. I'm going to get away. You can put me on the field, but I'll be the other place. And if you throw it to me, I will let it drop to the ground because I am not dealing with what this stinking football is going to bring to me. I don't know how to contain it. So eventually they said, okay, we'll send it back to Israel. <laughs> so Israel tried to use God to get victory, even though they were not following God's way and actually brought greater defeat and lost this thing that had a reflection of God's presence in it. Then the Philistines tried to conquer God, make him their own, not so they could bow to him, but so that he could serve them. And um, that didn't end well. It brought sickness, brought grief. So once again, the Philistines had a little bit more reverence. They put um, the Ark of the Covenant on a cart. They put these offerings. They actually had gold tumors. I have no idea what a gold tumor would look like. And gold mice for each of the cities that it had affected. And five tumors each for the main city kingdoms, the main place where the kings were in. They sent it back to a place called Beth Samash. Oh, good. God's presence is back. God's presence is back. We're now in chapter six. And um, they offered sacrifices. The, the cattle that sent it back, they sacrificed the cattle. They burned the wood. But the problem was they were so busy going, oh, good. God has come back to us or this thing that represented God came back to us that they're looking at it and they're staring at it and God was very very clear through Moses you do not look into this this is my presence this is holy nobody even touches the card except for the Levites these these certain people that were descendants of um, Levi mostly descendants of Aaron but that family and um They, so the five rulers of Levi's, now at this point, it was great, but they, they turned back. They're like, we're not going to mess with that anymore. But God, it says 619, God struck down some of the men of Beshemes, putting 70 of them to death because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Holy moly. When were they going to learn their lesson? They didn't take them seriously to begin with. The prophet Samuel was about to start warning them over and over and over again through the time of the judges leading up to this period. Like any history, any talking to anybody, every time they walked away from God, every time they took God's word and God's commands lightly, they were hurt. Not even because God hurt them, but because they walked away from God. You walk out of the gates of the city, you walk out of the city's protection. You're exposed to whatever's outside, you know? City gates aren't going to follow you. And then they just lost his presence. 
They had lost this sign of his presence and his favor upon them, which, by the way, also contained his commands. You can't separate that. You can't separate living for God with God's favor. You can't. God will still love you. God will still work with you. God will still even use our sins. It's not about us never being able to make mistakes or not God's inability or unwillingness to forgive. But when we're walking in a way that's completely outside of what God tells us, God tells us to do stuff because it's good for us. And when we do the other stuff, we shouldn't blame God that we're not protected because we've walked out of the protection. And then these Philistines were like, we'll contain him. Well, that didn't work so well. Um... (laughs) And then the Israelites said, we got him back, we got him back. Why don't we go stare at him the way he told us not to? Why don't we go stare at this thing that's God's presence like he told us not to? And they did, and 70 people died. We're only talking about this, especially now. We don't like talking about what happens when we go against God's will because we don't want to set up God against as this like evil father who just wants to beat his children. God is not beating his children. God is a discipline. Do you know how much worse those Israelites deserve? They all deserve to die. We all deserve to die. And there was a warning after a warning after a warning after a warning. Um, I was in a classroom yesterday, um, and there was some um, challenges in this classroom, behavioral and such. And I had to tell a kid we had, like, these red marks, these green marks. And I actually warned him three or four times. I'm like, I have to give you this red ticket. And he hadn't been doing it. I have to. This is something that's going to help you. And... He was just mourning like he had lost his favorite dog or someone in his family died because I finally gave him the red ticket and he was pleading and mourning, but he didn't. He, it's like he thought I was a bad person, like his life couldn't go on. It was enough for him to cry about, but it wasn't enough for him to do the work that he wanted to do. Um, unfortunately, he got his way back. If I hadn't have given him that red ticket, he never would have found his way back to doing things that were healthy for him. Sometimes if God doesn't do that, Sometimes if God doesn't finally give us the discipline, that's only a portion of what we deserve. It's hard for us to find our way back to doing what God wants us to do. This is still a little bit of a hard pill for me to swallow. Because I'm an American. I like to be comfortable. I like to have ease. I like to think of grace as, you know, God gives us all this stuff even we don't deserve it. God uses us in spite of ourselves. All that's true. But sometimes... Grace means God unleashes a little bit of his power. We have no idea how great God's power is in a way that shakes us up so that we can recognize his holiness and bow down to him. In the book of Acts, I just want to give you one more. Acts 19 at Ephesus, um, they had seen the power of Paul. Ephesus was a place where a lot of power had been um, exhibited. There was a lot of sorcery there because they liked power. But then as people saw the power of God being greater than that, they were burning their books. You know, they're burning their sorcery books. They're burning all the paraphernalia that would call on any false god, which would be a demon other than God himself. But some people just said, oh, okay, all I need to do is use the name of Jesus. So they would go around and say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out to to exercise, you know, demons, to get demons out of people, to get sickness out of people, and um, actual spiritual presences out of people. And uh, the chief 
the chief priest of the synagogue in the area had seven sons and they're like okay we're going to do this we're going to do this and they went around and they in the name of paul of the jesus christ who paul preaches and this is acts 19 13 16 i command you to come out i command you to come out but again it was just like the israelites they didn't know god they didn't know jesus christ they were just trying to use him it was like a power play that's not how we use god and so they went to one person, just one person, seven of them. And that person, the demon in that person said, verse 15, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And they beat the ever-loving pulp out of this person. <laughs> seven people sent him away, bloody, bruised, and naked. How do you beat someone so much that you strip all their clothes off? Think about that. Because they misuse God's name. Sometimes we misuse God's name. Sometimes we misuse God. There are things like with the Philistines where God's own presence will, will come against us because we're coming against God. God's allowed to defend himself. And then there are times here where they don't, just because you say someone's name, I mean, yes, everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. They weren't calling upon the name of the Lord. They were using the name of the Lord to try to feel powerful. Big difference. And that, by the way, is one of the definitions of misusing God's name. And they were blue, bruised and bloody before, because of it. The Philistines had tumors because of it. Israelites died because of it. Friends, we serve a loving and a faithful and a good and powerful God. He wants to protect us. He wants to nourish us. He wants to help us in those places where there are going to be hard times. He wants to be with us. He wants to make us more than conquerors, and we are in him, and we can access that. But that power is not to be taken lightly. That fire, it's not something to be held in our hands. <laughs> that football, it's not something to cling to and claim victory while we're standing there doing nothing. Friends, it's time to take that seriously. Oh, Lord Jesus, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to know the difference. We want to rest in you. We want to love you. We want to enjoy you. We want to receive from you, God. And that's good and that can be easy. But we never want to forget who you are. We never want to forget whose we are, Lord Jesus. We want to lean and rest into you because we're leaning into your promise, but also into your guidance, Lord Jesus. Guide us. Help us not to be terrified or cower in fear from you, but to be mindful and respectful of this great force that you are, the source of all greatness and power, Lord Jesus. May we just bow and worship you. Not in intimidation, but in reverence, Lord Jesus. You deserve all the glory in your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends. If you love football, play it. But for heaven's sakes, if you catch the ball, go somewhere else.